0: Yes, it actually is,
1: Ian. It's on my birth certificate. It's a bit of an odd name. I think because my second name's Smith, Uh, my father thought he'd give me a bit of an unusual first name. Uh, It it is not very common, I have to say. More common in America.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I recall one of her in the music business, which was Judge Dredd. In fact, his real name was Alexander Minto Hughes. Yes. He passed away some twenty-three years ago. Now, you know.
1: No, that is actually uh, Judge Smith is actually a real name, but it does cause some surprise. Useful for getting restaurant tables, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. you not know, impressing people if you get a a parking ticket.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. well, perhaps we better not book this
2: guy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> As a very young man, I I was introduced to Quincy Jones, who came to look at the band, the Vandegrift, in its early days. I don't think he was very impressed with it. And when I was introduced to him, you know, I was quaking in my boots in front of this. He's a hugely impressive man, Quincy Jones, and of course, you know, hugely revered at the time as a jazz master. And he looked me up and down, and I was was introduced to him as, this is Judge. And he looked (laughs) me up and down and said, yeah, what the hell are you doing with a name like that, boy? (laughs) It's mainly an African-American name. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's quite a few judges over there.
0: <laughs> now, you started um, uh, your career really on on the road with Van de Graaff Generator with uh, Chris Hamill. Do you still see him or collaborate with him in any way, Peter Hamill?
1: Uh, well, we do Christmas cards. Um, uh, I'm more in touch with other people in the band, Hugh Banton and uh, uh, David Jackson. Yeah, it's, uh, no, no, we're still on, uh, still on speaking terms.
0: Obviously, the band reformed and split up uh, several times in the past. And, yeah. uh, are, are they still out there doing stuff?
1: I believe so. I believe they've got concerts planned for next year that were postponed from this year. Yeah. Um, more than that, I do not know. There's a quite a massive sort of fan base and information out there uh, on the web about their activities. But no, no, they're all going strong. They're uh, going strong.
2: And
0: you you were massive in Italy, weren't you?
1: Yeah, for a time. They were a big band. It's un, uh, inaccurate to say... You, in other words, me, because I'd left by then. I left at a very early stage. Yeah, I'm on the first single, and uh, that's about it, because I was the original drummer, but I was so bad, Ian, you wouldn't believe. I was a really, <laughs> really, I am a really, really bad drummer. And I said, oh, this won't do. We've got to get a proper drummer. Uh, and I found I put myself out of a job. <laughs> got Guy Evans, who was a very good drummer, I found that I, was, I had not much to do except to wave a tambourine about and do occasional uh, backing vocals. And I wasn't very good at that, to be honest. I didn't really learn how to sing until a few years later. I was kind of a late starter. Van Gogh Generator was an organ band. Um, We were very influenced, Peter and I both, uh, in the very early days by The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Yeah. Which was an organ-based band, not a guitar in sight. Yeah, we were very lucky at Manchester University where Peter and I uh, met up. We saw every great band going. Cream, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Wonder, Pink Floyd. Yeah. But the most impressive thing I ever saw was The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. And that led on to uh, the Van being a, an organ band. Of course, subsequently, I mean, Peter's a, a good guitarist. Yeah. Uh, and subsequently, they've used guitar and, and, and so on. But essentially, it's an organ band.
0: Which I guess there weren't many around
1: at that time, were there? No, not really. No, that's what, one of the things that made them very unusual. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I left at a relatively early stage.
0: What year was that, um, Judge?
1: That would have been... Sixty-nine. Okay, nineteen sixty-nine. That is not eighteen sixty-nine. it seems like that.
0: <laughs> and you started doing your own stuff—songs, um, stage musicals, operas. Tell us all about that.
1: Well, I, I started. I, I began having, uh, trying to have other bands. I had various bands that didn't really make it. Problem was until quite a late stage that I don't play any instrument. I don't strum a guitar. Mm. I'm no good on a keyboard, I use a keyboard in the studio but uh, it has little bits of plasticine on the keys to show me where my fingers have to go right. and I've never got any better um, and it wasn't until I was about 40 that the technology came into existence that enabled me to really make the way I
3: to it. They made wonderful plans Took a lock up garage Filled it to the doors With bankrupt stock They bought an auction They had a nice Luton van On each side written Quite large it said Grave Floors. You've seen the rest But we're the best For carpet tiles Estimates free for our carpet tiles Hard-wearing Wilton's in several styles No VAT on our carpet tiles From ten pounds a meter
1: Prior to that I'd have to sit down with a very patient guitarist or keyboard player and hum stuff to him uh, and explain what I wanted, which was very a bit humiliating and a very slow process. So I didn't start recording my own stuff until I was in my 40s. Yeah, right. My first yeah. CD, I think I was 41. Yeah, uh, which was a lot of old demos. Uh, it was called Demo Crazy, and some guys who liked my stuff, mostly coming from, you know, Gogh uh, Generator fans who wanted to find out what this peculiar Judge Smith character was up to, and they, they found me and uh, persuaded me to put out a collection of uh, old demo tapes, and uh, by which time I had my, uh, my sequencer, my sampler, and I was able to make, uh, start making proper music. And I went from, you know, a four-track reel-to-reel tape recorder to an eight-track reel-to-reel, yeah. and then up to a 16 uh, reel-to-reel, and on that I was able to uh, uh, record Curly's Airships. Yeah which was something I'd had in mind for a very long time, a a, a huge piece of narrative rock music uh, about the um, uh, 1930 uh, R101 airship disaster. And uh, that uh, featured uh, Hugh Banton and uh, John Ellis, Uh, His old friend uh, from—he was originally the guitarist with the Vibrators, okay—and then with the Stranglers—and a wonderful musician.
3: Cutting the lady in half, devilish tricky.
1: which is probably one of the things I'm going to be remembered for.
0: Yeah, sure. And of course, your, your stage musicals, I mean, you did done one in uh, 1978, was it the uh, the opera, The Book of Hours?
1: I did do several stage pieces yeah. because um, I worked a lot with a composer called Maxwell Hutchinson and uh, we did three. I did one with Lena Lovitch and I did a sort of a chamber opera uh, called The Book of Hours, which was directed by Mel Smith. Yeah, right. uh, Before he became... Uh, on the Smith. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, 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 for the comedian. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Of course, we'll play a little
0: bit um, very shortly of uh, Lena Lovitch's uh, duet with you. It's on your 2013 album, uh, Zoot Suit, isn't it? Yeah,
1: um, Zoot Suit's an interesting record. Um, I got to know an American producer and composer called uh, David Minnick, right. um, who uh, lives uh, relatively near Detroit. And uh, I, I was so impressed with this guy. His, his, his arrangements and uh, musical experiments were so fascinating that I asked him to produce an album for me. So I sent him a lot of demos, Uh, he picked the songs he wanted to do, and um, uh, recorded them over there with American musicians, and I've never met the guy. Entirely done with files going backwards and forwards across the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, Fascinating process. I was able to, you know, he'd send them to me, I'd send them back to him, Uh, then at the end I did a final vocal and sent that over and he mixed it, and I'm very, very proud of the album. Yeah.
3: They had a music But it wouldn't stay You couldn't call it back to hear another day Recordings were for symphonies And operas and cantatas And for things like these Till one man said There's something in jazz That the public at large might approve Then the needle vibrated in amber or wax And the sounds of the cornet, the banjo and sax Were pulled down behind it and trapped in its tracks As it chiseled a circular Um, groove So uh, that's the one with me and Lena Doing
1: a song I originally wrote for her way back in the 70s because um, I wrote a few songs for Lena,
2: yeah,
1: um, back then, uh, yeah, a great lady and a, a very good friend, and I think a wonderful artist.
3: Dude.
0: to date judge uh, which are you most proud of
1: well they, it, that's a difficult one they're, they're, I don't have any kids which is why I've been able to do music basically yeah it, it cuts down on expenses to an incredible degree um, and to be honest I, I think of these albums as my children and it's very difficult to have to have favorites Um, I mean, Curly's Airships is is very impressive, Um, as is the Requiem Mass, which is the most expensive thing I've ever done. and took a very big chunk of the pension plan. It has a 50-strong choir, the Crouch End Festival uh, chorus. Um, It has 50 voices, uh, a four-piece rock band, four trumpets, four trombones, orchestral percussion, and uh, the solo voice is not me. Because it needed a really really wonderful voice and so i used the uh, baritone nigel richards who is a, a theater singer okay an ex um phantom of the opera from yeah, the yeah. West End. so uh it's that's the kind of voice that i wanted for this because it's it's kind of classical rock music
3: i guess How many galaxies are there? Numberless. How many stars in each galaxy? Numberless. And spun about those stars... Many planets that have undergone, as C.S. Lewis says, the sweet humiliations of organic life. Thousands, millions.
1: My problem is, and all my stuff is different, not like anything else I've done. No. Which I only just recently realised is not a good formula for success.
0: Well, no, because your, your fans may come to, like, a certain style that you're doing at the time. When you go into something different, very often... They may not like that.
1: No, that's true. But then other people tend to like that one. So you yes. get a, a more varied group of people. And I do have, you know, I've got a fan base, but uh, I'd like it to be a lot bigger.
0: <laughs> now, going back to 2013, you published The Universe Next Door about life after death, didn't ah,
1: you? Oh, wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, now updated uh, The book is available It's an expanded And updated version of that It's uh, called The Universe is Made of Voices Okay Which is a quote Actually from one of my um, uh, One of my song stories The Climber Which is another interesting one uh-huh. a very, I find it very difficult To make picks With these albums Yeah, uh, I've always been Interested in the paranormal If you like Spiritual things Yeah uh, Life after death And uh, subjects like that So I put it all in a book Which I'm actually Quite pleased with And that's available from my website, same as all my records.
0: Uh, Now, you live near Glastonbury. I I guess you get a lot of your inspiration from being and living in such a spiritual place. It is
1: a wonderful place, I have to say, uh, full of uh, lots of oddballs and hippies (laughs) and mystics. Yes. And great musicians. And My my exciting project in recent years has been teaming up with a Glastonbury musician called Breakman, Okay. And we have a band together called Towers Open Fire, and we have a self-named, well, uh, an album called Towers Open Fire that's uh, that's available, and we're uh, halfway through our second album. Okay. And that's been very exciting for me because I haven't done conventional songwriting, in other words, where one guy does the music and the other guy writes the words and sings. Yeah. You know, that traditional classic division of labour, and I haven't done that since. 1970s.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's been exciting for me, and he produces quite extraordinary music. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, we've got a we've got a uh, a video up on YouTube uh, of us doing a number from that album, uh, which is uh, quite quite interesting. If anybody wants to have a look, see what the old so and so looks like these days. Been alone so
3: long She's a tie anything else listening
0: to your massive back catalogue of stuff and, and varied and you know, e- eclectic I should
1: say yeah I guess yeah. that's
0: a good word it's the sort of stuff that would go down well at Glastonbury Festival do you do any of that?
1: well I have hopes I have hopes was open fire might be able to get a gig there when it starts up next i don't i'm not at all hopeful that it'll happen this year
0: i don't think so no
1: uh, but uh, the year after we should be in good performing order with our band and should be able to do good gig and uh, so yeah we have hopes for that
0: well if your new album sells really well judge you can obviously clamp it up when you go to glastonbury yes,
1: i can that would be <laughs> I would like to play there, I have to say. It would be a good ambition to do. Uh, I'm I'm very uh, excited about that um, possibility. We'll just have to see. The new Towers Open Fire album should be pretty interesting, I think. Um, meanwhile, of course, I've got the, the current um, uh, Solar Heresies and uh, Lunar Sequence one to uh, worry about. Yeah. Um and uh, as I say, that is, that's strange. That's the that's two pieces, uh, which is why it's got such a ridiculously long title. And uh, the first one of those is recorded with a, a Norwegian chamber orchestra. Okay. And that is a, a, a spiritual, mystical, kind of life after death, uh, kind of libretto for that. Yeah. And um, then the other piece, which has got Lena Lovitch in it. Uh-huh. Uh, who's wonderful, um, and an actor called Nick Lucas, who I've known since I was 13, right. and a heavy metal guitarist from Liverpool and then mostly uh, Glastonbury Musician, is a a, a series of meditations on the full moon. But it's a strange
3: record, very strange record. The full moon keeps us awake, the full moon keeps us awake. The full moon keeps us awake, the full moon keeps us awake. I thought I had some sense, but not a bit of it. Could I have married such a perfect shit? He lost the mortgage money on a horse. That's when I should have asked for a divorce. He screwed the au pair and that boy with red hair, but then he always said I was a silly mare. The full moon keeps us awake. awake. The full moon keeps us awake. I
1: love it, but then I, I like all my stuff, to be perfectly honest.
0: Lastly, Judge, would you call yourself eccentric?
1: No, I wouldn't. I might be a bit off the wall. Yeah barking mad but uh, no nah, no no i, I don't mean, like to be thought of as eccentric some of my music is sounds very unusual I want to wish you really thank all the best you, thank you very much and, new and album. Just, could i just say if anybody is interested yep they can find all my stuff on my website that's how to get my stuff yep and what is
0: your website can you read out
1: to us i can it's www.judge-smith uh, judge dash smith.com okay or put it judge smith in your favorite search engine and i'm usually up at the top of the list
0: lovely judge uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you
1: and really nice to talk to you too ian